Welcome to Kohler Mania. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are excited as we talk about a new topic. I am Tanya. Not Michael. And today we're going to talk about godly influences. This is such a topic that needs to be talked about because sometimes we get involved with different friendships and also how it influences our families and how our children see what friendships really mean. And we as parents, we model that for our children. We model the type of people that we allow into our family, into our homes. And as believers, we want to be those who reach out to the world, but we also want to be those who are wise in who we bring into closer into our homes, into our hearts. And so with godly influences, you know, we look at ourselves and see what kind of influences do I have that are my friends? Who are the people that I hang out with? Who are the people that feed my heart and soul? And who are the people that bring me down? I have had such a great opportunity throughout my life to see this up and down where I have been influenced by the world in many situations. And it really led me astray, even those that are wise, because now that I see things from a godly perspective, I see that I made unwise choices. And a lot of the friends that were around me I would say most of them, not all of them, but we would say that the perspective there was of the world. And then becoming into Christ, I surrounded myself around godly influences, people that build me up. And it's the same thing. We encourage one another. We build each other up and it really flourishes our walk with the Lord. And that's what we want for our children. We want to be able to model that by having those godly influences around us. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a friend. It could be, you know, what do we watch? Uh, What kind of toys and games do we allow in our home? Those kind of things are really important. And do we hang out with unbelievers that we don't have the same perspective all the time that it could influence our children? And again, we don't just ignore not being around ungodly or the unsaved, but we also have to make wise choices in how much we allow those individuals to steer our hearts. And there's some great examples in the Bible that we really want to talk through regarding godly influences. So as I'm thinking about our daughter and we are raising her in the Lord, we are really teaching her how to make the right choices, especially when she's spending our money or what kind of toys we're selecting. Like what are things that really glorify the Lord? And the same thing I believe is for choosing friends. And again, we're not trying to pick and choose here and there, but we are trying to make wise choices in who are those godly influences that we want our children to be around. And as we get into this podcast, we'll examine a couple different people in the Bible that really stood out and This is where as a family, we really need to be on the same page, both husband and wife, just being on the same page. What is it that we're going to allow in our home? What is it that we're going to allow into our hearts? And how will that influence our children? Because 
Our whole goal here is to raise godly children, this next generation, to make wise choices because the world will influence and they become the ungodly influences into our children's hearts. And that's definitely not what we want to do. We live on the Deuteronomy 6 principle of teaching our children since we are the primary disciples of our children. And we continue to press on to teach in different areas of life. And this always gets me thinking, and I know it gets other people thinking as well, because there's a tension in the Bible between two, what seems to be opposing principles where the Bible tells us we are to be salt and light. I mean, we are to evangelize evangelize the world. We are to engage the world. Jesus ate with sinners and, you know, we are to be friends and associate with those that are in the world in order to bring them to the faith. But at the same time, you have principles like in 2 Corinthians 16, 14, don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. What communion has light with darkness? Or 1 Corinthians 15, 33, don't be deceived bad company corrupts good Mm -hmm. character. And that's, I like how that even begins. It says, don't be deceived. I mean, why does it start that way? It got me thinking it must be because people are being deceived. You know, we are very social people. God made us to be social so that we would marry and have friends and come together as fellow believers and brothers, sisters and in Christ and seek a relationship with the Lord. And so we're very social And so we have an inclination to socialize and want to just be friends with everybody. But the Bible calls us to be discerning. Don't be deceived. Don't just have that tendency to just be friends with everybody to every degree. Bad company corrupts good character. Yes, I totally agree because we see that. And I'll I'll just start with Jonathan and David because that is such a precious And it sounds funny because the guys would be like, what man relationship sounds precious? No, but it is a precious relationship in the sight of the Lord because Jonathan loved David and was influenced by David and David was influenced by Jonathan. Jonathan protected David from Saul, his own father, to kill him and gave him advice on what to do to be able to run from this persecution that was against him. You see a loving friend just being there and supporting them through a difficult time. What a great influence. And I love what Proverbs says in Proverbs 27, 9, oil and perfume makes the heart glad and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. I mean, don't you want amazing counseling from biblical people around us because it spurs us up to seek Jesus. And that's what we want for our kids. And you see that relationship between David and Jonathan that it was a bond. They made a covenant between each other to make sure that they would support one another and they would they would even die for one another. Just like Jesus says in the gospel of John, where you lay down your life for a friend. And that's what Jesus did for us. And he calls us his friend and his brother. And so I really like that example of David and Jonathan. So let's look at another amazing example You've got Moses and Jethro from Exodus 18. Now, Jethro was his father-in-law. Of course, we see that Jethro comes in to visit Moses as after Moses is counseling so many people. You can imagine how hard it was on him, how much stress he was under. 
all of the things that he was dealing with because the Israelites were just grumbling left and right. And he didn't have anyone there to help him. And Jethro loved his son-in-law and gave him great counsel. He was there to support him. He was godly influence to him by saying, you can't do this on your own, Moses. You need to pretty much distribute all of these responsibilities to different people so that you're not burdened with all of the complaints coming at you. And so Moses took his advice and moved forward. And I'm sure it was probably still a lot for Moses to do, but he took the counsel of a biblical man, of someone who was a godly influence into his life, his father-in-law. What examples of friendships do you see in the Bible, Michael? Yeah, I think there's some great examples that come to mind. The first one was Paul and Priscilla and Aquila, those are great examples. I like what Paul said in Romans 16, three through four, it says, Greek Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus, Mm. they risked their lives for me. Not only I, but the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Paul spent some time with them uh, working, uh, making tents and things, and they supported his ministry immensely. And he was so grateful to them. I remember at my grandfather's funeral, the pastor gave such a great sermon saying my my grandparents were Priscilla and Aquila Mm. to him. It was a very touching sermon. And I also think of Daniel, Shadrach, and Abednego as great friends that really supported one another in the Babylonian captivity to be able to stand up in the face of persecution, to face lions and being thrown into a fire um, and and not eating the king's delicacies, just but just supporting one another in the faith. You need that when you're surrounded in a Babylonian world to have other strong believers that can support you to stay strong in the faith. Um, I think of Job's friends. A lot of people think of Job's friends as not being very good examples, and they they could be seen as good examples and bad examples. We just started reading through Job in our family uh, Bible time, and the very first section of that, and at the end of chapter two, I believe, you have Job's friends that come to visit him right when he is just afflicted with great sores and he's already lost his family and now he's got this great sickness, he's lost everything. And they come and they just see him sitting in the dirt. Mm. And they come and they just sit with him for a week, seven days, day and night, and say nothing. Sometimes the best things you can do is just sit there and cry with your friends and empathize with them. Show them that your hurt is my hurt. Let me just walk with you and sit with yeah. you. What a great example of friendship. Yes. Of course, the rest of Job is, is examples where a lot of the things, when they actually start talking, they uh, don't necessarily say the right things um, throughout the, the book of Job. So there's an example of sometimes your, your friends can be good examples and support and sometimes not so much. That's just real life, you know, but Job obviously chose some really good friends that would just sit with him 24 seven for seven days straight just to cry with him and be with him. I mean, that, that alone is an example of some really good friends who, who will do that for you. Do we have strong believing friends that, that will just go through those struggles with you? Yeah. I I love that about Joe, because you're right. Like, how do you just sit there for seven days and not say anything, especially when 
you've just lost everything. And so what a great example of friends who were just there and just like like Romans 12 talks about, we weep with those who weep and we rejoice with those who rejoice. And friends do that, godly friends. And, you know, friends of the world may do that with each other, but there's a greater thing between godly friends because the Lord is the center of that relationship. And there's been many times where people have come to me and there are things I don't understand. I cannot understand and I don't know how to tell them because I don't, I've never experienced that in my entire life. Really good godly friends, they come to me and they say, you know, I don't know what to do with this issue. And I may have never experienced, but I stick to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 through 7, because God says he's the God of all comfort and he comforts all of us in our afflictions. And that tells us, it, the word says that we may comfort anyone in any affliction. It doesn't say you can comfort them only because you've comforted them. You can comfort them only because you know what that's like. No, it says in any affliction. And so the word of God just gives us life to be able to encourage one another. And that's what we're supposed to do as brothers and sisters in Christ, godly influences, and that just stirs us up even more. And we continue to do that. It's a endless cycle of constantly loving one another and respecting one another and just showing that brotherly love as Peter talks about how we have to put on that brotherly love. But let's look at a couple examples of some ungodly influences. Yeah, there's some negative influences that we can see in the Bible as well. A couple that come to mind is Rehoboam, the son of yeah. Solomon. And when Rehoboam became king, he did not exactly exhibit the wisdom that his father Solomon had had when uh, there was the people that were in servitude for doing work on the, the temple and such. They came to him and said, "We the yoke is too heavy. You need to lighten the burden and so Rehoboam was wise in the, at first in the sense that I need to consult the, some elders and see what they say. And they said, yeah, it is too heavy that you do need to lighten it. In 1 Kings 12, 7, they said they spoke to him saying, if you will be a servant to these people today and serve them and answer them and speak good words to them, then they will be your servants forever. But then it goes on and says, but he rejected the counsel which the elders gave him and consulted the young men who had grown up with him, who stood before him. And their advice was a bit different. They said, give a smart aleck response, said, your father made our yoke heavy, but you make it lighter on us. Thus you shall say to them, my little finger shall be thicker than my father's waist. Whereas my father laid a heavy yoke on you, I will add to your yoke. My father chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scourges. In other words, I'm going to punish you for even asking to make it lighter. I'm going to make it even heavier. And what happened? They ended up rebelling, and he had to, now Now he was in a war, a long extended war with the rebellion that was going on because he ignored sound advice from very wise counsel in the elders and instead went with his friends that had grown up with him and what they had said. And they said, you just need to show them that you're the big man on campus. And who are they to ask anything 
from you. And so you need to do just the opposite and make it heavier uh, on them. And the elders knew what was going on. The burden was heavy and they're going to rebel. But he went with the counsel of his friends. So he was surrounded by some friends that didn't have necessarily some wise counsel. Another example I think of is Aaron when uh, he followed the people. When the Moses was up on the mountain with the Lord for an extended amount of time, getting the Ten Commandments, Aaron was left in charge. And we see why Aaron was not chosen to be the overall leader mm -hmm. of the people, because the people complained. And unlike Moses, Aaron just went along with what the people wanted, yeah. and they wanted to make an idol against the Lord. And that's where he made the golden calves for them. And uh, God told Moses, you need to get down there and get down there quick. So because something not so good is going on. And when Moses saw it, that's when he got so upset, he broke the Ten Commandments. But there we see somebody who's being influenced. Instead of being an influencer, he's being influenced by others. And so that's the to me is the key that we're talking about. Yeah. When the Bible says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers in 2 Corinthians 16, 14, we are to engage the world, to influence the world. But when we have our inner circle of friends that we're looking for support, to support us in our beliefs, that's when we want to surround ourselves with people that will be strong influences on us, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniels, who will support us in following God's principles when it's hard. When you look at Jesus, yes, he went out and he ate with sinners and engaged them in order to evangelize and be salt and light to the world. But who did he spend most of his time with really developing their character and supporting one another? It was the disciples, mm -hmm. those 12 core disciples with Jesus who came together and spent so much time together learning from each other, learning the ways of God and supporting one another in their walk with the Lord. But That's even, what we are to do. And even Jesus took a little bit of a closer look in that inner circle of 12 and looked at putting more into Peter, James, and John. I mean, that is definitely a little bit of a closer circle. Yeah, there was an inner circle within the inner circle. So yeah. you had the 12 disciples and then the closest disciples were Peter, James, and John, which he yeah. took to different areas. They're the ones that prayed with him in the Garden of Gethsemane to watch and pray while he was in anguish. He didn't let others, the other disciples come. He wanted those core disciples, his other miracles that they could only come yeah. and, and see. That was an inner circle within the inner circle. So we have that within our friends. You know, we have a, should have a, an inner circle of friends and then we'll have really close, close friends. And who are we choosing as our mm -hmm. friends? Those that will build us up in the faith or those that are influencing us in the wrong direction. Yes. And I just keep thinking about how we must be wise for our children, especially small children, too, because we want to be able to surround them around godly influences so that as they grow older, they'll be able to make those wise choices. And we're not here to judge, but just like what Michael said, it's a biblical truth we cannot be unequally yoked. We cannot walk together. We cannot agree if we don't have the same mindset. And not just with people, we also have to make sure that we're looking in within our own homes, 
What are the things that we are watching that could potentially be influencing us and our behavior and our children? And also what kind of toys, what kind of things are we bringing in with technology and things like that? And those are things that we need to question in our home. If we want to build a kingdom of Christ-minded children for this next generation, we truly need to model that as parents. We need to walk in it, believe that the Lord has put this in his word, has given us amazing examples of godly influences so that we can take those and teach our children and even teach ourselves. You know, if we are surrounded by people that are not supporting us, then we need to really rethink that. I know quickly, I know before I was in Christ. I had many, many friends, but after I accepted Christ, I lost almost every single one of them. And that just shows me I'm going in a different direction. I'm seeking the Lord, but now I have gained precious jewels and really godly friendships, brothers and sisters in Christ. And so this podcast really is around looking at our hearts, looking at our families, looking at those influences that we have, our friends, the technology, what are we bringing into our homes to impact our children and how can we best model that? Yeah, it's it goes to, you know, who are we going to walk through life with? You know, back to don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. That's kind of a it's a farming analogy where you didn't yoke two unequally sized animals together, a big ox and a, and a very small one, they'd end up going in circles. You wouldn't be going in a straight line. You want to be equally yoked with equal strengths. It's the same way with our friendships. It's the same way with any relationship, close relationship that we have, marriages especially, because you're linked in life and marriage for life. Who are we walking in life together? We want to make sure we are not unequally yoked with unbelievers, because what has light have to do with darkness as that verse continues to say, how do we disciple our kids in the Lord if we can't agree Mm -hmm. of which direction that is, which Lord are we serving? We have got to be equally yoked in in marriage, especially teaching our kids to choose first and foremost among potential spouses, are they a believer? Are they a strong believer who will walk strongly and support you in your faith and the discipleship of your children? And then we need to stress that with our children about who they're going to marry. Are they going to marry godly influences, who their friends yeah. are, help them choose their really close friendships and play dates with those that are that have uh, good character and godly character and are strong believers. This is different conversation than evangelizing and being yeah. salt and light to the world. We are to engage the world, but who are the people that are in our relationships that we are walking yeah. in life with? We need those to be strong, supportive believers of good character who are seeking hard after the Lord and they have fruits in their life that show that. This is so good. And I am so grateful that we have had an opportunity to talk about godly influences. It's so important. It's important for our families and I know it's important to God. So I hope that you were encouraged by this and that it 
gives you a little bit of a different perspective to take a look at your homes and see what those godly influences are. And if you don't have them, pray that the Lord will bring those godly influences into your life and into your children's life. Because God hears our prayers. If we are completely devoted to him, he is sincere. He is a faithful and a merciful God that is willing if we're willing. So I pray that this was a blessing to you. And with that, we will end this podcast until next time. God bless.